This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Welcome all of you here today. Guests, we're honored to have you here. Um, we believe in the God who takes messes and makes miracles. So if you've been a mess in your life, you're at the right place. God will help you and he'll get you through it all. And so we welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high. And I ask that our ushers would get you a Bible. It's, it's important that you get the Word of God before you, okay? Whether that's on your phone, whether that's on a, a pad or just your, your Bible, I'm still pretty much old school. Even in the way I study, I still get all these Bibles out. So I may have eight translations going at once. But somehow in your life, you've got to get the Word of God before you. Today, once you get your Bible, I'm going to have you go to Hebrews 4. And then in the Old Testament to the book of Hosea chapter 4. And Hosea will be, you'll have uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then Hosea, some of the major books in there. So give you a chance to go there. Now, we've been on decisions for several weeks. We're going to hit it a little deeper today. And every one of us make decisions on a daily basis. Sometimes they're major decisions, sometimes they're minor. Some of the major decisions that you'll make in this uh, room here today is, who will you marry? That's a pretty big decision. You know, uh, where will you work at? What will your career be? How about this? What church will you attend? That's a big decision. Uh, Your children. Where are we going to eat after the service? Many of you that are, if you're an S personality, you may drive around the loop two or three times and you'll say, where are you going to eat? Well, I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Well, Well, somebody make a decision. And so I'm an S personality, so I can say that. But again, we make decisions... And those decisions we make have ramifications or consequences for right now. But they even impact our eternity. And so we begin with Hebrews chapter 4. And I'm just going to read verse number 12. It says, for the word of God. For the word of God, the Bible, this thing right here. The word of God is living or it's alive. And it's powerful. It denotes something at work that's active or effective. This is the word of God he's talking about. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And what that determines is whether you're going to live a life after your soul or the spirit of God. And he goes ahead and says this. And of joints and a marrow, and the word of God is a a discerner. It is an exposer of the thoughts and the intents or the purposes of the heart. And so what the Word of God does in a better way here, it locates you. This is how I must learn to live my my life, off of this book. And so when I begin to get into the Word, you know what? If if you don't ever get into this book, God will never get into you. So I must make it a habit of getting into the Word of God. So when I begin to get into the Word of God, God's Word becomes the blueprint of my life. And when I'm off track, which each one of us in here have done before... The Word of God will get me back on track. How does the Word of God get me back on track? I repent. I repent. And so what happens? The Holy Spirit is sent to convict us of things in our lives. And so I believe today, just because the Word of God will be preached here today, there will be some conviction that will go on in each one of our hearts. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. You want that. It's not that God's mad at us. He just wants to get us back into relationship. Now, go with me to the book of Hosea. And again, 
Uh, it's right after the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Let me give you a little insight of what's going on here. And I encourage you to read the whole, the whole book of Hosea. It's 14 chapters, but we're going to be just in chapter number 4. Hosea's name meant salvation or deliverance. And so he was the prophet to their time. And their people became very, very sinful. The condition of their land was very sinful. Now, when I begin to read this entire chapter, it reminds me of the United States right now. That we're a, a nation that was founded by the things of God, but our, our godly heritage is leaving very rapidly. So we begin in Hosea chapter 4, and he says this, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. The significance of the word of God. Now, when I read this right here, I, I can look at their life and think, well, what's going on with them? But the best thing I can do in this situation is I ask myself this question. How am I doing with the hearing of the word of God? Do I hear the word of God? Is hearing the word of God, is that on my priority list? Because again, just like these guys, if we have the tendency to start getting away from the word of God and thinking that it doesn't matter, it's not good. So he says, hear the word of the Lord, my children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge, a legal complaint against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Now, it's interesting that he addressed them as the children of Israel, his chosen. But he said, there's no evidence of the word of God. There's no evidence of the truth. There's no evidence of knowledge. The Amplified says specifically, they quit acknowledging God. It sounds like America as a nation. More and more and more and more, you're seeing God's been pushed out of everything in our life. So we quit acknowledging God. And this is where they were at at this time. Same chapter, verse number 6. My people, my people, the people of God, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's the consequences of sin. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, in your Bible, if it's like mine, there's a little thing called a cross-reference right there before it. I'm not going to have you go there. I'm just going to turn there. But in my Bible, it takes me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verse 13. If you're taking notes, I'd write down Isaiah 5, 13. It's a good thing to look at because this gives me a real, real good insight of what the prophet Hosea was, was speaking about right here. And he says this. This is Isaiah 5, 13. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. This is talking spiritually. And soul has enlarged itself. Now, the word shoal there, S-H-E-O-L, is hell. And he said, because the things of God had dried up, shell had, or shoal had become more populated. Listen to some of the things that Isaiah talks about. And he says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. 
Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Woe to those who are, are mighty and at drinking wine. And woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. And he ultimately says they have rejected the Lord of the host. And the end part of that he says, the anger of God has risen against them. Now many times we, we talk over and over about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. Beloved, let us love one another. Either love not, no, it's not God. For God is love, First John 4, 7, 8. God is the God of love, but there's a side of God that many times we don't want to look at. And it's the side of anger. And again, God doesn't get angry at me and you as human beings. What he gets angry with us at is sin in our lives. What's that such a big deal? Well, Romans 6.23 says the wages or the compensation of sin is death. So we begin to get a little insight here of what Hosea was prophesying about. So he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So to have a lack of knowledge, it tells me they weren't getting into the word of God. Because you have rejected or ignored knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me. Now, he goes after the priests of their land. They're preachers. That's what he's talking about. And the reason he goes after them like he does is because they were encouraging the people to sin. Anytime you have a preacher that encourages you to sin, run. Run. I pray I never do that. But if that happens, get up and run, all right? Don't listen to that stuff. And the reason they encouraged them to sin is because in their customs, when they would sin, they would have to bring a sin offering to cover their sin. So the priests were encouraging them to sin because they knew the more they sinned, the more offerings they had to bring. Now, can you see they were, they were covetous, what the covetous is what they were. They were encouraged, go ahead and sin. Go ahead, it's okay, sin. Sin a little more. Why? They wanted to pad their pockets with stuff. He goes on to say this. Because you have forgotten or ignored the law of God. I also will forget your children. Better translation says. I will forget to bless your children. Now through this series here on decisions. There's been many accounts that we've read. That my choices not only affect me, they affect my children. Now many times we don't want to hear this stuff, but it's interesting right here. He highlights this. He said, I'm not going to bless your children. And so God wants to move back in our lives. Now, the rest of this morning, we're going to be in the book of Joshua. Go with me to Joshua, way back there in the front. And we'll be in Joshua 1. Then Joshua 24. So as we turn to Joshua. This is a man who when you study his life. He served God. I can't find any places in the Bible. Where he, he wavered or got away from God. So I want you to think about this guy. This is a guy who was one time in his life. He was a slave in Egypt. He had been in hard bondage in Egypt. This was a man who witnessed 
the ten plagues that came after the Pharaoh. He saw all this with his natural eye. This is a man that when they left Egypt, he saw the Red Sea split. Not only did he see that, he walked through it. Now, you're talking about telling your, your grandchildren's great bedtime story. Did I ever tell you about when the Red Sea split? This is a man who saw the Israelites murmur, complain, bellyache against God over and over again. Now, he was one of the two spies out of the, out of the 12 that went in. And he was the one that came back and said, you know what? We can do this. We can have this. And the rest of them, they punted on it. So when we pick up here in Joshua 1, the man of God, Moses, is dead. He's died. And Joshua has now been put in charge. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would want to inherit these millions of people who were nothing more than a bunch of bedwetters. They complained all the time. But he becomes the leader of them. So he's in in this position. Now start with me in verse 5. And let's watch what takes place here. The Lord speaking to Joshua. And he says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now God promises that to us. Do you know that? There in Hebrews. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. That phrase there, be strong and of good courage, in Joshua 1, it's mentioned on four different occasions. He said, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it, the word of God, from the right hand or to the left. Now, I want to stop right there. Because he begins to tell Joshua the criteria for being prosperous. Look at the end of verse 7, what he says here. He says that you may prosper wherever you go. So... In reading that right there, it tells me and you as believers, God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. And so the first two things he said is, he said, number one, you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to be a good courage. The second thing that he tells me and you is he said, you got to get in the word. Don't deviate from the word to the right or the left. Don't compromise the word of God and you'll walk in prosperity. And he digs even deeper here in verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So God is telling Joshua, he said, listen buddy, you want to be prosperous in this land? Speak the word. When? Over and over and over again. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. You shall meditate in the word of God. You shall recite the word of God. Why? That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So he tells me and you, I got to live my life by speaking the word, by meditating on the word. I got to get in the word and no matter who you are, You can know that book frontwards, backwards, 
But until you walk it out, it's not going to do you no good. So put a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie is what he's telling us. Put some fruit in your life. Obey the scriptures. Now, look at the end of verse 8. For then, you know what that tells me? After I speak the word, recite the word, do the word. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So you know what God's saying to me and you? He's saying, you got some decisions to make. You got to get in the word and begin to do those things. And isn't it interesting that God said, if you would do those things according to my word, then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. I believe that's the heart of God. You know what God's saying? Learn to do it my way. And he starts in verse 9. And again he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Now, the strength comes from, from, from the Lord. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord, the power of His might. One of the reasons it takes courage is because you're going to find out many of the people don't want to live by God. And when you start making a stand for the Word of God, it's going to take courage. So now, I want you to go to the book of Joshua 24, and we're fast forward. This is the last book of Joshua. So we've gone through his life, and Joshua now is pushing 110 years old. He's seen a lot in his life. He's lived a life of faith, and to me, this is his farewell address. He's going to tell the children of Israel his last thoughts now. I don't know about you, if you've ever been around someone of great age that has really served God, if you're ever around someone that has served God 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and you get around them, you'll want to absorb everything they say. Just the wisdom of God. I had the the pleasure of that a number of years ago. I was around a lady who was 105. You know how she died? She told the Lord, she said, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to come home. She went to bed that night, and she never woke up. I thought, now that's the way to go to heaven right there. But when I would get around that lady, the wisdom of God would just flow out of her. I mean, just flow. It would jump out of her because everything she had seen. So I say that because... Can you imagine what Joshua was going to tell him? All that he's seen in his life? So we pick up in Joshua 24, verse 13. I have given you a land which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them, you eat of the vineyards, the olive groves, which you did not plant. So right here he begins to start, and he tells them the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. God's always taken care of you. Verse 14. Now therefore... He says, fear the Lord. That word fear there means reverence and respect the Lord. I believe that's something that's really, really missing from our society. I need to come back to a place in our lives where we fear God. We reverence Him and we respect Him. He says, and serve Him. And serve Him. And when He talks about serving Him there, He says that word in verse 14 and 15 seven times. And what he's talking about here is an allegiance that is exclusively to God. In other words, God doesn't want to share you. God wants every bit of you. 
And so he says, fear God and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And when he uses those words right there in sincerity and truth, I mean, he's telling me, I want all of you. Give me everything you got. And so many times in our life, we have this thought, Lord, I'll give you a little dab. I'll give you a little bit of my life. You know, I, I like to live my life how I want to. I want to do what I like to do. But I want this thing called fire insurance. That just in case you come back during my lifestyle, that I don't burn eternally in hell. And so when I look at this, Joshua doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't tiptoe through the tulips. He doesn't pat them all on the back and says, listen guys, I want you all just to feel good about yourselves. No, he begins to elevate the bar. Now, what I'm fixing to tell you is you're going to see this biblically. But he's going to give them four options. Me and you live by those same four options. The first three options that you'll see, he will mention the word little g-o-d-s with it. He'll say gods. He'll mention God. So when you see that again, it's not the real God, okay? It's something that we've put in front of God in all our lives. So back to verse 14, and we're going to pick up here with option number one. And he says, serve the Lord in sincerity and truth, and put away, get rid of the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. So what was he talking about here? Well, he's going back to our ancestors. Our forefathers. Stuff that may have happened generations ago. And to explain this a little bit better, in Exodus 20, starting in verse 5, he talks about the iniquities of the fathers are handed down to the third and the fourth generations. So the easiest tendency or path to follow in our lives is oftentimes the sins of our fathers. How many of you have ever heard of a generational curse? That's what he's talking about right here. So we look at the, the patriarch of faith, and I know I'm giving you a bunch of info, but the man of God named Abraham, Abraham's father was a man named Terah. Terah was an idol worshiper. In 1 Corinthians 10, 19, it says, an idol is anything. So those guys worship things. They worship figures. They worship statues. And so he's telling them, option number one is you can worship the idols of your forefathers. Now, let me give you some illustrations of those things can be. Many people in our society, they, they worship their career. I'm not against careers. Except when I put my career over God. How about this? The God of possession. Many times, we work and we work and we work and I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And why do we do that? Many times it's for possession. Years ago, there was a guy who had multiple cars. Multiple cars. Nice cars. Cars that you buy at crazy auctions. His wife had called me one day and said, can you go by and see him? And I said, why? And she said, he's, he's in a state of depression. So I said, what's going on? And she said, we got a little pinch money-wise. And so 
he had to sell one of his cars. So I go by and see him, and he was, he was, he was in bad, bad, bad shape. And I said, what's up? And he said, man, I had to sell my car today. And I said, well, no worries. It's not that big of a deal. And he said, no, Pastor, you don't understand. He said, I grew up in life, and I never had anything. And he said, one of the ways I can show the people in my life that I have succeeded is through all my possessions. And I remember saying this to him. I said, your possessions and my possessions, they don't define who I am. Jesus defines who I am. And anytime I start trying to get things to make my identity, and I'm out of line somewhere. And so we can have the God of possessions. Is God against me having good things? No, he's not against it. Just on his terms. How about this? The God of sports. Is that a big deal? Huge. I had a guy one day say to me, Pastor, you won't see me in church from mid-May to mid-September. And I said, why is that? And he said, I have a tee off time every Sunday morning at 1030. And he said, I don't miss that for nothing. Okay. So again, we begin to put things over our lives. The gods of hunting. And many of you say, well, I don't have any problems with this. Well, how about the god of shopping? The god of food. And so we can go way, way back in times. And oftentimes, the, the, the issues that our forefathers had, we had them too. And he ends verse 14 and he says, but serve God. Serve the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. So you know what Joshua's telling me? He said, listen boys, you're going to make a decision today. And there's four boxes. And none of the boxes say, I opt out of all these. No, he's saying, you're going to choose one of these four. So now we get into option number two. And he goes on to say, whom will you serve? Whether the gods of your fathers which you served that were on the other side of the river. Now what does that mean? When the Israelites left Egypt, When they went through the Red Sea, when it split, that was symbolic of a water baptism. When I get water baptized, it literally means that I go down to my grave and I come back up. So when they served the gods of Egypt and they went through that water, this right here is talking about the things in our lives that hinder us, pull us away from God, the things that we served before we got born again. They have a stronghold on you. They have a grip on you. And so the first option was the gods of our ancestors. This one's were the very things that gripped you before you got born again. Now I want you to think about that. Was there certain things that dominated you before you got born again? I can say yes. I was dominated by alcohol. But when Jesus turned my life around, man, things began to change. So he begins to tell us here, this was option number two for him. You can keep living your life and be dominated by those things. Now, in verse 15 there at the bottom, he says, or. So he changes his thought and he said, or the gods of the Amorite is whose land you dwell. So you know what the third option is? The gods of right now. 
the gods that are present right now, the gods of our culture, of our society. And so right now in our lives, there's been a fundamental change in the way we think. And so more people are leaning more to worldviews. I've had people say, well, the Bible's outdated. The Bible's not outdated. And so we're right here when you begin to look at this. The first three options were the gods of my ancestors, the gods before I got born again, but the gods of right now. Are you being dominated by anything right now? Now watch how he ends this. But, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Option number four. And it's clear right here how he's thinking. And he says, but as for me. As for me. I don't know what the rest of you yahoos are going to do. And none of us are going to be in heaven because of someone else's decisions. I'm going to be in heaven because of my decisions. So he says, I'm just going to tell you right now. You can serve the gods of your forefathers. You can serve the gods when we were in Egypt. You can serve the gods of present time right now. But as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And it's interesting that he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you note in there, he didn't look and said, you know, guys, my wife said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. My wife says, as for me and my house, we're going to get up and we're going to go to church today. No, what I begin to see here with this man named Joshua was he didn't run from his responsibility. Not only was he in charge of his own life, he said, guess what? I'm going to be the model for my children. That hurt, yeah. And this passage right here, When he talks about this, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. It cross-references me back into Genesis 18. And this was a passage about a guy named Abraham. And the reason Abraham was so favored by God is, listen to this. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him, for I have known him in order that he may command his children... And his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord. And so one of the reasons Abraham and Joshua were so highly favored of God. Is they said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And when you look back at this. This is why the Lord said, you're going to have to be strong and in good courage. Because when you begin to stand up for the things of God. There's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to like it. Actually, they're going to get upset about it. But I believe right now, in America especially, there's times for men to begin to rise up, and there's time for households to begin to rise up and say, you know what, I don't care what the world is trying to impact my children with. I'm going to teach them the Word of God. And for many, we've tried to push that responsibility off on our school teachers. We try to put that responsibility on pastors and youth pastors, and they do play a huge impart, but really, the person that's around them the most in their life is your parents, the parents. And so again, the Lord is raising the bar and saying, come on, guys, come on. 
Let's pick back up the pace. Let's do these things. Now, periodically in my life, the Lord will have me do certain things. Just to really stretch my faith in area. But I was in here on, on Friday praying. And I was studying on these lines and the Lord said to me, he said, I, I want you to anoint my house with the blood of Jesus. Now, in the book of Exodus chapter 11, when all those plagues started coming against the, the Egyptians, the last one was the spirit of death. And the Lord said this, he said, if you'll apply the blood of the lamb, which in our life is the blood of Jesus, if you'll apply the blood of Jesus over the doorposts and the lintels, when the spirit of death comes into this city, it won't come near your dwelling. And he said, the only thing that will matter will be the blood of Jesus. He never said one thing about your paycheck, your bank account. He never said one thing about where you work. He said, the only thing that will matter is the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm not leaving, okay? I'm not walking out on you. So this is what I do by faith. I just come in here and I said, Father God, I speak the blood of Jesus over these doorways. I speak the blood of Jesus. And so I go through every one of these, these doorways in this building. So whether you liked it or not or you're aware of it today, when you came in, you came into the blood of Jesus. I spoke that over you. Because I believe the blood of Jesus still sets free. It still heals. It still is forgiveness. So I get up yesterday morning and I study and I was back there meditating. And the Lord said to me, he said, Now go anoint your house with the blood of Jesus. So I didn't call Shelly and say, get home. You need to anoint the house with the blood of Jesus. So I walked through my house, and just in my mind, I imagined the blood of Jesus. And I said, Lord, I speak the blood over my home. That everyone that walks into my home comes under the blood of Jesus. That as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, I can tell you this today, I'm not a superhero, okay? I don't, get, I don't get dressed on Sunday mornings in a phone booth. I'm a man that's made mistakes. I've, I've been in sin before. But I believe for every one of us in this room that the blood of Jesus is for the remission of my sins. It's covered me. It gives me a fresh start. But the Lord has been saying, it's time for ones in my house to come under the blood. And before your kids go to school, on the, you start speaking the blood over them. Because the things they're being bombarded with are way different than what we were bombarded with 50, 40, 30 years ago. I mean, I see that and I hear that. And so if we're not speaking the blood of Jesus over our families and our homes, who is? Now, Pastor's preaching a lot better than you guys are amen, and I'm telling you right now. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, the Lord said this Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. And I will love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy, thy soul, and all thy might. And so he said, Love God to the best of your abilities. Begin to make God the standard back in your life. And so, we all have some decisions. We all have big decisions even to make today. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.